uh, something to remember about contempt of court is it's a very serious matter. What happens is uh, the court believes that you're not following their orders. You're basically thumbing your nose at the court, uh, and they want to um, correct that behavior. They want to either punish you or make you or force you uh, into compliance with the court's order. So there are three things that um, three elements for a contempt of court uh, matter. Those are there that number one, there must be a clear and unambiguous order from the court. Number two, that the defendant clearly and unambiguously disobeyed that order. And number three, that the defendant had the ability to follow that order. Okay, so those are the three things. Let's break them down uh, a little bit. So first of all, there's a clear and unambiguous order from the court. So there has to be an order in place. It can be a temporary order. Uh, a temporary order is something that is in place during the pendency of the divorce action, or it could be something of a, a more permanent nature in a final order, a divorce decree uh, that is being uh, allegedly that is not being followed. So the order has to be in place and it has to be clear and unambiguous. And sometimes uh, this is where a person defending someone who is accused of being in contempt of court can have a little bit of uh, movement, a little bit of action in defending the, the action. So it must be clear and unambiguous. And sometimes the language of the order itself uh, lends itself to some interpretation, some ambiguity. What, that, what I mean by that is sometimes, let's say, for example, that the order says the father is to have parenting time Wednesdays, uh, after soccer practice until nine o'clock that night or something along those lines. So it's based on a soccer practice. So let's say that order goes into place and the soccer season ends or the, the child no longer plays soccer. What are the rights of each of the parties, the rights and obligations of each of the parties? Because the soccer game doesn't happen anymore. The soccer practice doesn't happen anymore. So is does the uh, father have the right to have that child at a particular time of day when the soccer practice would be over? These are the kinds of things that lead to uh, ambiguity and can be um, grounds for you to defend yourself against a contempt action. Number two is that the defendant clearly and unambiguously disobeyed the order. So it's not a case of somebody uh, uh, messes up or somebody uh, doesn't isn't uh, capable of doing such a thing. It's it has to be a clear and unambiguous disobeyance. Now. It can be that the person believes that they're following the order uh, and actually they're not. So let's say in that soccer uh, in that soccer practice example, let's say the father believes that he has the uh, right to have his child from, say, 5 o'clock when soccer practice ends until 9 o'clock that night. Perhaps uh, the, the mother, on the other hand, only anticipated that the uh, father would have uh, visitation at that time during the soccer season. So if the father continually takes the child at five o'clock, is that a clear and unambiguous disobeying of the court order? Well, in the in the father's mind, he has the right, even, even though soccer isn't going on, because that was the intent of the parties. Uh, so he clearly and unambiguously is doing something which is perhaps in, in disobedience of that order. And number three is the defendant has the had the ability to follow the order. So it's not that a person is um, incapable of following the court's order. They, they are capable of doing so, but they choose not to do so. This uh, particular element really comes up most importantly and most commonly in any kind of financial support situation, child support, for instance. 
So let's say that uh, a non-custodial parent is ordered to pay $100 a week in child support. That person loses his or her job and can't, they don't have the money. They cannot pay the order. Uh, I'm sorry, they cannot pay the money that is required in the order. So they're not clearly, they're not able to pay. So they're not uh, disobeying the order in, in, that, in that regard because they're unable to do so. So if you're unable to fulfill your requirements under an order, uh, that's a defense to a contempt action. As a little side note, if, for, if you are uh, obligated to pay child support and you lose your job, for instance, you want to ask for a modification immediately um, and you want to ask the court to lower or stop child support obligations during the time that you're out of work. Because what happens is e even if you're out of work and you think, well, I'm not obligated to pay anymore, you, you are obligated to pay until the court says that you're not. So what happens is uh, until you file a motion for modification, that time of your obligation continues to grow. So you're um, still obligated to do so and you could be held in contempt uh, if, if, you don't have that, if you don't have that modification in place. So there are two types of contempt. There's a civil contempt and there's criminal contempt. Uh, each of them are uh, the same in that those three elements have to be shown in each case, but the process of, of each and the, um, the uh, purpose of each is, is different as well as the standard of proof that is needed. What I mean by that is under a civil contempt action, which is by far the most common type in uh, divorce cases, it's a, the court is trying to force you to comply with the order. So they're trying to get some leverage over you to make you do what you're supposed to do according to the order. Um, the standard, the standard that has to be shown is clear and convincing evidence. What that means is that the burden of proof is on the person who's trying to, the person on the other side, the one that's bringing the contempt action to prove clear and convincingly to the judge that you are in contempt of court. So in, in the law, there are different standards of proof. Uh, one is probable cause, that's in a criminal case uh, at the very beginning. Uh, the next is a preponderance of the evidence standard. That's a 51% that's more likely than not that somebody uh, that is somebody's in contempt, but that's not the standard. The standard is clear and convincing. It's like, I don't know, if you think of it in terms of percentages, maybe 75% the, the judge must be convinced to a degree of 75% that you are in contempt. It's not as high as a beyond a reasonable doubt standard, which is a criminal trial standard, but it's just below that. So it's, it's, a, it's a significant burden for the plaintiff. Um, in a criminal contempt situation, uh, which is pretty rare, but it does happen in, in divorce cases, uh, the court is trying to punish you for being in contempt. Uh, and the uh, because it's a criminal contempt and you can face jail time as a result of this, uh, you are entitled to an attorney, just like in a criminal case, and you are entitled to a jury, just like in a criminal case as well. Um, so those are two distinctions between civil and criminal contempt. Uh, the consequences of a contempt of court. So there are many things that can happen to you. Uh, if you are found in contempt, <laughs> none of them good. Uh, it, under a criminal contempt, they, they can the judge can sentence you to a period of time of incarceration in jail. Even in a civil contempt, the judge can have you held in custody in jail, but 
you would have the ability to get out if you bring yourself into con conformance with the uh, with the order itself. What I mean by that is, say the judge says that you are um, you should be paying ch child support and you need to uh, you need to uh, um, bring that arrearage uh, current so that th there's nothing that's owed. So even after trying to get you to do so in many ways. The judge feels that the, there's no other alternative but to hold you in custody. They will uh, send you to, to jail, but if you can pay the arrearage, for instance, or a certain amount, uh, you can get out of jail. So you have the keys to your freedom, as they say, in a civil contempt. Um, other things that can happen, which are more common uh, in a civil contempt situation, is that they can change parenting time schedules. So if you are in contempt because you're interfering with the other parent having their parenting time or visitation with the child, uh, you run the risk of having the court change that up, either change uh, custody or change parenting time uh, because you're interfering with the child's uh, relationship with the other, with the other parent. Um, the judge can also uh, impose the other party's attorney's fees on you. So if, if the other party has to bring a contempt action, you can be punished also by having to pay their attorney fees. Uh, so that's something you certainly don't want to don't want to do. Heck, you probably don't want to pay your own attorney's fees. Uh, certainly, uh, much less the, the the attorney's fees of your ex uh, spouse. They can suspend your driver's license, for instance, uh, and they can also inter uh, if it's a financial situation, they can intercept any tax returns that you might have, uh, so that they can get the money that's owed uh, to either the, your ex spouse or the child, uh, what have you. So that's kind of the uh, long and short of contempt proceedings in Massachusetts, specifically in uh, family law divorce cases. As I say, at a Ford law, all of our fees are based on a sliding scale. And what that means is that we base our fees on your income. So the less you make, the less you have to pay. We represent hardworking men and women of Massachusetts so they can, so they can have competent legal representation in family law and criminal law situations. Um, please feel free to visit us at affordlaw.org. Uh, see what we have to offer. You can book a free virtual appointment with us, uh, and you can also get a, uh, an idea of how much we would charge on an hourly rate for a family law case or the flat fee rate for a criminal law case. At Afford Law, we're making justice affordable. Thank you.